Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, I'm the resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to jump right into the text. So tonight, the I'm going to just a little quick overview of the format. I'm trying to make this uh, experience as organic as possible for all of us. My goal in the long run with this class is not to um, sort of do the work and then and then give it to you, and but rather to do the work and then really build it and discover it with you um, as we go. For me, the sutras are part of my practice. Um, they are a part of a way that I connect to my heart and how I amplify and re-see my practice in my daily life. Um, they've been transformational. There's really no going back. Uh, the sutras have really changed everything for me. And so my goal is to simply um, support you on that same journey. Um, so tonight, we'll look at some quotes together from the sutras, as always. We'll do a little bit of free writing and discussing, and then we'll meditate a little bit more than we maybe are used to. Uh, and we're going to try and take it in sort of two clumps, so about like two half-hour packets, um, with a little bit of movement in the middle to help you stretch your legs. So does that sound all right? <laughs> cool. <laughs> I couldn't help. I know nobody was going to say no, but I just had to do it anyway. Um, so... Last week, is Usha in the house? Where's Usha at? Oh, maybe he couldn't come this week, but let's all um, offer a little bit of gratitude to Usha because she gave us a, a new way of seeing this paragraph that we were some of us were grappling with because uh, the word knowledge gets thrown around in the sutra a lot, almost to the point of uh, confusion, to be honest. And Usha had the idea, um, or it came through her, that uh, this idea of knowledge, we could probably substitute the word awareness, something that we're a little bit more familiar with, and it might lend a little clarity to the work we're doing. Um, and so let's, uh, oh, you know what? I'm gonna do a one little precursor before this, just to, just to review, let me scroll up here. If you remember, this whole sutra is about learning to see the world that you live in, not as external to yourself, but as an extension of yourself. The sutra says, this universe is the embodiment of the yogi's collective energies. So if you were to look at your own body, for example, you would see muscles and bones, you could zoom in further, you could see cells, ligaments, you could zoom in further, you could see atoms, it goes on forever. The text calls this innumerable or infinite knowledge. If you were to look at the world around you, you could also look out externally forever, another world of infinite knowledge. It's no coincidence. Um, the idea being that this whole world that surrounds us is Shiva and it's infinite. If you want to know the world, per se, you can study parts of the world. And this sutra says, then you'll know one part of infinity. If you want to know Shiva, though, 
then you got to use your practice while you work, while you study and while you live. And then you'll know one part of infinity and you'll know infinity. You'll know Shiva. You'll know your own true nature. So obviously that's our goal as yogis. We don't, we want to learn, we want to excel, but we also want to grow spiritually because at the end of the day, or at the end of our life, our growth is what we carry with us, not the objects of our life. So with that in mind, um, we sort of embark on the last half of the sutra and what we find is that this substitution of the word awareness for knowledge is very helpful. Um, I was, I I'm going to try and pick on somebody and see if they can do this juggling act and substitute the word awareness for knowledge all the way through this paragraph. Does anybody think they got that in them? Anybody want to try it? Anonima, I was 100% sure you were going to raise your hand. So you got it. Um, so wherever you see the word knowledge, just use the word awareness. All right, we'll give it a try. <laughs> This awareness is found everywhere, inside and outside, because without awareness, an object cannot exist. This entire universe is therefore filled with that awareness. And that awareness, which may be objective awareness, is in fact awareness of God consciousness. No one has ever perceived an object without that awareness. That awareness, which is the real awareness of God consciousness, has taken the form of the object. Objective awareness is not separate from that awareness of God consciousness. It is by that awareness of God consciousness that this awareness of objects takes place. Excellent work. That was really great. So I know we all might need a moment to scan through. So right away, awareness equals knowledge. All week I asked myself, why does that work? And what I came to realize, and maybe you would as well, is that wherever you shine your awareness, knowledge follows. Where awareness flows, knowledge grows. Example, my neighbor here, Billy Wakefield, he's the premier mango farmer on the island. I asked him one day, what's your secret? And of course, I knew he wouldn't tell me a secret, but maybe this was a secret. This is what he told me. He said, I just look at my mangoes every day. I look at the trees every day. Look at trees every day. It's literally what he said. And he was telling the truth. Wherever you shine your awareness, you learn, you grow. If you were to shine your awareness inside on your heart every day, you would eventually grow a beautiful spiritual practice. You would grow spiritually and endlessly. So everywhere we look, 
is where awareness is there's potential awareness so that awareness could go into an object and become sort of smaller and smaller and smaller or as we'll see later in the sutra it can go into the object and actually expand and what's really a relief about this sutra is that it says you've never per perceived an object without this awareness and that the objects you perceived have always been shiva objects equals shiva something we've heard and we understand but do we really it says object awareness is not separate from god awareness and it even says goes further to say it is by god awareness that we even perceive or know any objects at all so it's been there the whole time shiva has never not been there as muktananda's book says everything that exists is shiva or there's nothing that exists that is not shiva etc so take a moment to uh feel inside from just just to let your eyes close and just turn to your breath And ask yourself, where's my awareness? Where is it? You don't really know awareness without an object. Your awareness is on your breath. Your awareness is on your heart. That's how you know where your awareness is. But we don't want to stop there. We want to feel awareness we don't want to just feel the object we're going to keep doing this throughout class this concept but just take the next minute to feel your breath to feel your heart but to also see if you can feel your own awareness. Can you feel your heart or your breath without this awareness around it, surrounding it?
try to maintain a connection to that heart space. And allow the eyes to open. Can your eyes remain open and still feel the heart? Can you still feel your breath? And now allow yourself to just put pen to paper for a minute or two and to just write about where you feel your awareness or how you feel this re relationship between object and awareness within yourself. Can you feel your breath while you write? About a minute left. Just letting yourself finish your thought. Sometimes with free writing, it's not about the whole concept getting onto the page, but almost like starting in the middle and just letting yourself go right for the heart of whatever it is you're feeling. If possible, reading back through what you wrote and underlining a key word And you can just jot that keyword in the chat box.
Here we go. Merged. Active observation. Expansion. Essence inside awareness. Behind. Depth. Defines. Loving hub. Breath equals gatekeeper of awareness. Noticing the space. Space. <laughs> Mine was background. Background. Did you all type one in or just you can say it away? Do I have anyone um, would like to elaborate on their keyword a little bit? Sure, Bob. <clears throat> I, uh, I didn't actually type a keyword as I find that when I try to create a word out of what I'm perceiving, it actually um, makes me confused. Um, but I, as I was writing, I was thinking of the part of me that, you know, in your, in meditation, you Sometimes you see things come up, you hear things, um, and these are not uh, things that you're perceiving with your actual senses. They're the inner ear, the inner eye. Uh, you feel motion in your chakras, uh, Shakti moving. All these things are perceived not with the senses, but they're perceived. You're aware of them, and that the um, that makes it easy while you're doing something. Let's say you're going for a walk. You've got your eyes open. Uh, you're hearing the birds or whatever is around you. But at the same time, you know that it's possible with your inner systems to be perceiving sight, sight and sounds. The other day I was walking um, and I realized that I could do this. And I, I thought of sitting in class with Baba and sometimes the things shift, the colors get brighter for me or uh, there's a, a sweetness in everything that I'm perceiving. And so it, I tried doing this as I was walking, my heart opened up, I was like, Wow, yep, that's it. Thank you, Bob. I'm just sort of soaking that in for a second. So just taking that last example and then revisiting the first one. So when you focused on, or when we focus on our heart, when we focus on um, a higher state of being, um, it can elevate all the objects of our awareness um, that 
focusing our attention on Shiva or this, you know, the word God comes up in the text or whatever, your true nature, however you want to describe it. And we're able to, through time, have that pathway uh, that we walked enough times, you can actually keep your focus there and allow that to elevate your experience of objects, the experience of the world that you're living in. Thank you. That is very helpful. So it's not like we always have to work from the object out to God. We can actually just, you know, use our practice to, we can focus directly on that. So, but, you know, I think that's one of those things that comes with time. It's sort of the sign of, of having a mechanism, having a pathway that you're able to, to, to simply relate to that just as easily because you've done it enough times, you've practiced it enough. Thank you for sharing that. Is anyone else in, I think, I think your mic might be on. I can't, no, okay. Is anyone else's, um, want to share about what, how they perceive the relationship between awareness and these objects? We can keep, yeah, Anju, go for it. Sorry, I think there's a video delay for me always. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, kind of like with what Bob was saying, I just felt like I got to the witness state like really fast tonight, which has never really happened for me before. So that was kind of really fun. Um, because I think it just really like spurred me to sit in that place and and to get really curious about well, whose awareness is this? And is it mine or is it happening through me and is it really separate from all the things that I'm experiencing or is it all just kind of an extension so I felt really like gleefully kind of joyfully just sort of sitting and taking it all in um I don't know what about that kind of just worked for that but um it was I, I had a lot of fun <laughs> just wow. sort of being aware from a different space and i don't know i'm having a hard time finding the words but i think it's sort of like happening as i'm talking a little bit um but yeah i don't know there's something about it that felt really like playful and and active and and joyful and i didn't have to be doing mm -hmm. thanks anju i think that's exactly what the sutra is trying to help us do you know to, to say that this entire external world is nothing other than our own body. And therefore, when we're going through our life to have that inner awareness, to say that this is a, a part of my true nature, is that is really, in my opinion, sort of where this is leading us. And I think the witness is the sort of most straightforward, you know, terminology that we have in our tradition that can summarize that in a single word. So I think you need to sort of hit it right on the head. So speaking of that, let's let's take a few more minutes to meditate together, and then we'll dive into a little bit more of the sutra. And so just from where you're sitting right now, just sort of soften on the forehead and the, the temples, the jawline, the ears. There's a lot of uh, residual tension that we hold in the head because that's where we function from most of our day. But if you can soften there and swallow, and allow the breath to show you that path down to the heart, this quiet, 
lake of awareness that is really just sitting there ready for us, ready for, for us to tune into. And try to feel this space of the heart to actually allow this inner place to have the simplicity of like an object you would be perceiving outside of you. The heart as a center point. Feel the breath as an object, as a thing. Allow your awareness to rest on these inner objects. And as you're able to direct your focus in, in words, you can sort of relax that grip. And you can allow yourself to try to feel the breath and the heart in a relaxed way as if you were witnessing them. the sutra and that awareness which may be awareness of objects is in fact awareness of god focusing on your heart you can have a very literal translation of this The heart is an object and the heart is something so much more.
And again, you can allow the eyes to open and see if you can keep your attention on this space inside. All this stuff around you is Shiva too. But the only way to know that is to have your awareness inside while you observe it. And that's where we're going next in the sutra. We're going to take a two-minute movement break with a baya. <laughs> so just from right where you're at. So just like Satyam said, having your focus at your heart, the heart is an object, yet it is so much more. Our bodies, too our objects and so much more. And so as we move a little, try to have that same reverence, that same expanded awareness as we observe the, the body. Um, so if your legs are willing and able, take a moment to float up to standing. Ooh, if that's not standing. comfortable, um, you can stay seated. This will work there too. Connect with the breath and try to have this inward focus of your awareness as you're able to feel the wholeness of your physical form. Start to shift weight from foot to foot, perhaps noticing a little bit of relief in the hips, a little bit of space through the spine. Keep connecting with the breath, allowing the shoulders to relax, allowing the neck to relax, allowing hips to relax. And then slowly bring equal weight into both feet and take your time getting there. So you're actually like all your awareness is zooming down into the soles of the feet, doing a little reading, oh, a little more pressure on the left. A little more pressure on the right and then find that perfect balanced sweet spot anchor the big toe rock the weight back into the heels soften through the knees hands can stay relaxed or they can come to the hips and just make some really gentle circles with the hips not trying to stretch not trying to press anything just having awareness of your hips orbiting through space as the hips circle, you may notice the weight shifting in the feet, the gentle sway of the spine, the reaction of the core supporting you, or even the feet helping to anchor you. Circle the other way. Keep breathing and keep zooming out so you're aware of the physical body but you're also connecting to consciousness. You're connecting to the heart space and beyond. Let the circles get smaller and smaller until you find that place of equal weight. Once again, melt the arms down and final movement. Gently lift the, am I mirrored? Do, it looks like, I'm, okay, lift the, left shoulder circling it up and back and let it point your heart towards the left as you do that 
and then circle the right shoulder up and back, letting the heart drift towards the right. Let this be really minimal in the shoulders, not a lot of effort, allowing the spine to gently rotate and massaging out the neck and shoulders. And just take a couple more. Again, letting the movement get smaller and smaller, letting your awareness get bigger and bigger. And then come to stillness, find that point of weightlessness. Take a couple of breaths to notice the sense of spaciousness you may have cultivated and try to maintain that balance and space as you observe your way back to seated. And take your time as you sit, making sure you're comfortable and supported did that feel good? I really needed it. Love it. Um, so let's dig, dive a little deeper. Uh, can we get a reader? How about Anjali? Anjali, welcome to the show. Um, so if you wouldn't mind reading what is in blue right here. If you think that in practicing yoga, God consciousness is to be possessed and that which is other than God consciousness is to be discarded, that is not the proper understanding. The correct understanding is that you must unite these two together. God consciousness must be united with the objective consciousness and objective consciousness must be united with God consciousness. Thanks, Anjali. Um, must be united. Uh, when I see the word must, um, I take it pretty seriously. To me, it implies that without both, you have nothing. That's just, you know, at face value, how I, how it, how it feels to me. Also, we see a pretty clear um, relationship here that objects, object awareness is not to be discarded, not to be not to be rejected, right? It's pretty important, sort of an easy out uh, in, in this uh, discussion. If you were to just think, oh, well, I'll just focus on God awareness. Well, I mean, everywhere in our tradition, we're taught that we have to really work through the arena of our life to have that realization. And in the next paragraph in green, um, we see that meditation is indeed considered, you know, the path to this understanding. Julie, is it convenient for you to read what's in green? 
Um, yes, I can't see it all. Okay, there we go. In green? Yeah. Uh, this reality of knowledge, this reality of God consciousness is established in the objective world because through meditation, all these objects are found as one with God consciousness. As long as you meditate upon and are aware that this objective world is not separate from God consciousness, it will be just like God consciousness. And so you will not find any difference between God consciousness and objective consciousness. Perfect, Julie, thank you. So through meditation, we find all objects as one with God consciousness. And we, as we've seen before, we dissolve all difference between objects and God. We dissolve difference. That's something that comes up a lot in the sutras. So why, why is it through meditation that this occurs? Just feel with it, you know, offer, if you want to offer a comment, offer a comment. Why is, why is meditation the key to uniting these two? to go for it. Um, why is meditation so important? I think that meditation, uh, to use some scientific terms, it gets us out of the backside of our brain uh, where we ruminate and into uh, either a a different part of our brain or actually down into our heart, which is a scientist has starting to show that it is a, a mini brain in its own right with some kinds of very different properties. So um, I think it meditation helps us break the, the narrative that we all that our ego has ongoing about ourselves. But anyway, that's my opinion at the moment. <laughs> Thanks, Gita. Your opinion at the moment was exactly what I was looking for. So thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. You know, in the in the tradition, it's always said the lower mind is seated here in the head and the higher mind is seated in the heart. And so we have this capacity here in the heart to completely fulfill the demands of our external world while simultaneously growing from it and that word simultaneously becomes the the key word in the in the next paragraph says basically when you simultaneously possess this kind of knowledge when you simultaneously can possess the object aware in front of you with an inner awareness of the heart then everything comes to fruition or that is the, the path that we're seeking.
in in my own personal experience of trying to walk that path, um, I was uh, struck by how simple it is, how simple it is to to take a breath at any given moment and to feel something that's a little bit bigger than the object in front of you. You know, you could do it right now. You might already be doing it. But is there uh, any space available for you right now to simply relax a little bit more than you're relaxing while paying attention to what's being said? That space is always available. But what I found was you can only walk that path one breath at a time. That became the biggest challenge. We want to jump to the end. And this practice is so simple, but you can only do it one moment at a time. And so what I found was that there was a path from the object in front of me to God. I don't, I'm not trying to say I, I was able to walk that whole path over the last few weeks studying this, last few, maybe month. But I will say that I could feel that there was a path there and that I was in that if I was able to stay with it, that it definitely progressed. And so I want to walk that path with you in our practice in hopes of inspiring your own um, work in the coming week to, to see that path in so many different directions. For example, Baya was saying this morning, after we were talking about this during her puja, she was saying, oh, I realize like I have all these objects on this tray, but like that's not where I'm trying to end up. I'm trying to use these objects to bring me to this higher place. When we do mantra, we start at the mouth but we don't end there. We go towards the throat. We go towards the heart. We walk the path from the object, the mantra as a word, to the mantra as an experience. You start by chopping a carrot, but in reality, you're disciplining your mind and you're retaining your inner focus in the kitchen of seva. You know, so every single place you look in your day, you're given this very simple path that's one step long but then it keeps moving but it's only one step and then another step and then another step couldn't be simpler couldn't be shorter but yet yet it's the whole thing we're out, out here to figure out <laughs> so it's obviously more than just so i'd like to walk that path with you right now with a little meditation um, I do, I, does anyone have a question about this material, a question about what I just presented or what you've been reading? Okay. I don't want to rush anyone, so then it takes a minute, but. Okay. So 
I want you to start by focusing on the breath as a physical object. Feel it, um, gently lengthen it, smooth it out, even it out. Here, you're treating the breath as an object, but you're treating it as a very special object, almost like a, a family heirloom or a sacred object. As you gently lengthen it, a little bit, not much, you're just doing that so you can feel it. And here you can insert the physical mantra, hum as you inhale, sa as you exhale. Here we are at the object level of the mantra, the object level of the breath. How do we get to the God level of both? One breath at a time. As you continue to keep the breath steady and smooth, use a little less effort. As you repeat the mantra silently, even repeat that somehow quieter, yet still hearing it. Our only goal here is to be moving towards this space of higher awareness, to not be latching on to the object level of awareness. We stay in touch with our breath, we stay in touch with our mantra, but every breath and every mantra we're trying to 
go in the direction of this lightness, of this less doership quality. And it's only, it's something you, only you can do. You have to go there very lightly. It's one breath, it's one step. Allow yourself to direct the breath and to direct the mantra less and less from the head and allow all that direction to sink down and come a little bit more and a little bit more from the heart. you asked, whose awareness is this? Is, is it mine? As we allow our own awareness to drift towards the heart, we see that we can breathe and repeat mantra from this more spacious place. Imagine yourself walking You're walking peacefully towards your destination. The breath is your stride. 
throughout the practice, your mind will drift and you will come back to the object level of awareness of the breath and of your mantra. This is not to be rejected. You simply walk one breath at a time from wherever you find yourself. You take one breath, one step towards the heart and towards maintaining your breath and awareness with less and less doership. This path is always available. There's no object that you can perceive that is not completely saturated with this higher awareness. The only limitation is our ability to take the first and only step over and over again. As you allow the eyes to gently open, if they are closed, retain that simple inner awareness. Relax, right? Relax. Relax the mind. And let yourself feel this possibility 
I will say that the analogy of walking has been really fruitful with this practice because walking is itself such a relaxed activity yet requires some effort and has really helped me sort of physically work with this and um, and it might help you too. So as you're walking throughout your day, you know, trying to relax as you walk and watch as you realize there's so much more available in that space than just the object of your awareness that you're walking to. And of course, in our seated practice, it's not about getting there in one breath. It's just about going there, going that direction with this breath. And so I hope with those sort of practices in your tool belt, you have a fruitful week um, until we meet next week. Namaste. If any of you do cultivate some experiences from this Sutra 3.30, um, I'd be happy to open up the next class with, with you know, some comments on how it went for you um, and before moving on to new material. Um, I will say it's been very empowering for me um, to, to realize that all this is available um, with just the slightest shift of awareness. So thanks everyone for your attention and focus. Hope you have a great week Thursday weekend, I guess. <laughs> Sitaram, Jay Jay Sri Ram Sitaram. Jay Jay Sri Ram Sitaram, Jay Jay Sri Ram Sitaram.